Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Cosmere Conversations. Conversations. Hello, hello. We are here for another episode talking about Rhythm of War. This time, the very, very end of Rhythm of War and the epilogue starring everyone's favorite world hopper, Mr. Hoyt. Yes, and this is rounding out our little mini-series on Odium in Rhythm of War because this final epilogue, as I'm sure you know, is the last most important big thing that happens with Odium. Of course, whenever there's Hoyd involved, we're thinking about the greater Cosmere connections, but this epilogue specifically just seemed so significant oh my gosh for if there's the rest of the someone Cosmere. out there who can say that this epilogue did not blow your mind, you're a crazy person. Or, it blew your mind. Exactly. Or you didn't read it. That's the only oh my other God. option. If you didn't read the epilogue, turn this off right now and go read it. Because we are hashtag all spoilers all the time. You know this. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, Patreon, YouTube, probably anywhere. So find us. Let us know what you're thinking about. Let's start with kind of a uh, favorite connection to another piece of media. <laughs> Yeah, Hoyd in this epilogue is practicing his regular person, good old fashioned human magic or like the art of illusion, not Shallan's type of illusion, but the sort of trompe de l'oeil or like trick of the eye. Illusions, Michael. <laughs> yes. There's another call out for you. Obviously reminded me of Michael from The Good Place this being who can do actual magic uh but thinks that there's just something really special about the fake magic pulling a rabbit out of the hat the old-fashioned way (laughs) is pretty cool and hoyd seems to agree so he's practicing his fake magic his human style magic and of course his magic practicing is maybe just a distraction from his meeting with odium because that's where he's headed he knows that this confrontation is about to go down yeah he's specifically put himself in a situation and a location he has brought himself away from urethero because he knows that odium will not be able to visit him there so he takes himself specifically away from that place out onto the shattered plains where he knows that odium will be able to find him so he's kind of tempting this meeting and then Odium actually comes in. Of course, this is Teravodium at this point. Which Hoyd does not know. But we know it. We probably won't be saying Teravodium the entire time and just using Odium. You got to know that this is Teravodium at this point. Odium drops in and says this, quote, I noticed your touch on the contract, a dramatic voice said in his head. You've always been a clever one, Wit said. Was it my diction that clued you in, my keen bargaining abilities, or the fact that I included my name in the text? End quote. And as far as we know, we his actual name, or of course, we don't know his actual name, but the name Hoyd doesn't appear in the contract. Yeah, I don't, I can't imagine how 
Hoid would appear. Like, it's possible that he just means Wit, which is the name he goes by for the most part on Rashar. Like, that makes sense to me, kind of, that Wit would somehow work its way into the contract. But I also am just curious if it is his true name. Which one of the oldest that we know of is Sephandrius. But that also is like, how would that get into the contract? He's just playing around with words, and we don't know what words he's talking about. Yeah, very intriguing. And then another interesting thing that Odium says is, quote, So interesting, Odium said. How did I never see you there in all my planning? End quote. So this is, of course, uh, Teravangian, who had access to Future Sight, at least at some point, and created the diagram. And I thought this was a great call out that Hoyd, as far as we know, has not appeared in Odium's sight, really, has not appeared in uh, the diagram, and has not appeared in Renarin's future visions in any way. So it's like he's completely future sight inert. Like, he doesn't corrupt the timeline like Renarin or Nightblood does, where you can't see them, but the evidence of their existence is there in in the obfuscation. It's just like Hoyd does nothing in future sight. As a metal comparison, this is like aluminum and it's inert qualities that it brings to investiture. And so Hoyt has somehow figured out to make himself like aluminum, which seems to be handy and probably helped him stay alive for all this time. I can't believe I never thought of this in those scenes when we see the diagram or in Renarin's vision. It's weird once you realize it that like maybe, I mean, I guess maybe they just don't notice Hoyt, but it seems like they would. Although now that I'm thinking about it, there is like one line, I think, in the diagram about the Wanderer Mm -hmm. or something like that, where Teravangian makes a note like, this doesn't fit. This person like doesn't fit here. Who is it? Yes, but remember that specifically with Teravangian's creation of the diagram, Rasa Odium actually remarks that he did it without access to future site he's well, doing he has it, something he's doing it based on cognition and mm. a mm. enhanced ability to rationalize and logic out he basically becomes like a supercomputer or a quantum computer a cosmere computer and is able to do a bunch of if-then formulas to figure out everything in the diagram. Now, he thinks it's perfect. We know it's not perfect. But Odium remarks that it is done without future sight. Odium does say that. I just want to remind all of us that Odium doesn't know everything, and everything he says is not necessarily correct. I I do still wonder if there is some more magical aspect to it obviously his ability to like you said be a computer is already created by cultivation's magic but just just questioning i think that the concept though of like what hoid is susceptible to and what he is 
impervious to, to yes. yeah. And is important. And we are going to continue to explore that, of course. But this gives us a great example of where Hoyd is weak, where he believes he is strong but is actually vulnerable, mm-hmm. and where he is actually somewhat immune, or at least the the guidelines and this inert quality does seem to be part of the makeup of Hoyd, that regardless of how bad the shard powers want to know where Hoyd is or plan on account of Hoyd, they don't seem to be able to. So that's kind of interesting thing number one. Then another thing that jumped out at me, quote, Wit didn't need to worry, did he? After all this, Odium would be safely imprisoned no matter what happened. There was no way out, unless Wit's breath caught. But then he forced himself to keep whistling and walking. End quote. Unless what? Unless what? What is that thought that Wit had? These are the types of things that are almost throwaway lines. That's a literal sentence. And then it just kind of like, peters out but of course brandon is planning that as a connection point of some type but we don't know what wit was thinking oh my god brandon knows what wit was thinking he knows the internal dialogue that's going on in hoyd's head and is putting that together with something that will happen later in the cosmere he's not saying it for no reason it's specifically chosen i mean it may or may not happen later in the cosmere but it's a possibility that we don't know about and it's driving me crazy so as we talked about in our most recent episode about bondsmiths and the previous ones about teravodium specifically there does seem to be a known limitation to the shards about making deals and then not being able to violate or lie about the deals that they have made And so maybe that's all Hoyt is thinking of, is that he just realizes that, like, unless there was some mistake in the... Oh, like if Dalinar reneges on the deal or something, then... Yes, exactly. Oh, God. Because that was mentioned. We talked about that specifically, is, like, what happens if you don't fulfill your end of the deal, Dalinar says to Raysa Odium. Yeah. And Raysa's like, that's not going to happen. Don't worry. But if it did, everything would be null and void and reverse is true if Dalinar, you renege on the deal. Hmm. So when we combine that with what we already know is somewhat being theorized in the Cosmere universe is the concept of a an innocent being put forward as Teravangians, Teravodians champion. And if Dalinar reneges on the deal there... That's the loophole that Hoyd could be thinking about right now. Basically, it also could be something we have no concept of. And that's the more fun one. So we're going (laughs) to speculate more wildly on what it could be. But I want to give like the realistic, maybe likely answer. I mean, point being that there is some way that Odium could potentially not be trapped in this system, even now. And that is an incredibly terrifying thought. The actual details of what happens to Hoyd and the way that Brandon is playing around with time in this sequence, time, memory, yes. it's almost a, there's a couple of movies that jump to mind. There's Memento, the very like psychological thriller by Christopher Nolan, but then there's also Fifty First Dates starring Adam Sandler when both characters have short-term memory loss. 
sorry, not Adam Sandler, Drew Barrymore in that movie has short-term memory loss and they kind of reset in their mind and it makes life very difficult for them, obviously. The plots of their movies ensue. But for Hoyd, he has this scene basically reset on him. So as we are reading through, about halfway through, the scene starts again and the subtle differences in the scene are where we are going to put all of our attention and focus. Yeah, it's honestly, it's a it's a difficult little chapter to read. I've read it, like, I don't even know how many times at this point. I've read it over and over and over and over and over again because it does kind of throw you for a loop the first time you read it where you're like, wait, 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 what? Huh? Is this a mistake? Am I reading this correctly? It is one of those things that's actually, I think, harder to do in a book than it is in a movie. Agree. It's normally reserved. This type of resetting, starting over. Oh, the Tom Cruise movie, Edge of Tomorrow. Also just like a reset type of thing. These loops, they're fun to play around with in film and that medium. But I think it's harder in a book because reading already is such a heavy processing and such difficult work for most people. Like if you like us, have read 20-plus Cosmere books and many more in your lifetime, most likely. You know it's hard work, and you know that as you're reading, you're self-creating the world and everything going on, and sometimes just because of your own reading skill, you have to go back and reread something to really let it sink in. And Brandon's doing that on top of, like, purposefully. So he's, like, making that loop even harder for the reader. It's just so much quicker to go straight through the eyeballs, right? Where you can like immediately see and understand differences in mm-hmm. the loops and versus probably better than- creating them and then having to like recreate them. Yes, exactly. Because our brains also want to do the same thing over again. And so like forcing yourself to slow down and be like, wait, okay, that word is different. That word is different. Because I know for me, I wanted to just replay the scene exactly the same. And I really had to force myself to slow down. So let's dive in. First important moment here. Quote, a power slammed into him from behind, a golden energy infinite and deadly. Wit's eyes went wide and he gasped, sensing something horribly wrong about that power. End quote. Now this ending line, something horribly wrong about that power, really makes our last couple of episodes solidify that we've been talking about the power of odium as something distinct from the vessels. Mm -hmm. And it does seem that Hoyt is recognizing something wrong with the power. I don't think think it's just about, oh, that's not Rasa Odium, that's Teravodium, and he's Mm. figuring out that process. Uh I do think there's something specific about the power of Odium Hmm. that we will find out. And I feel like these are the, the foundation steps for that. That's an interesting thought because I did have a question about like what exactly is Hoyd feeling in that moment I think that's interesting that you think that it is like the power itself and not just the fact that the power has changed hands it could be and I just like we did before yeah I just I like your thought excellent (laughs) let's read one more quote before we super dive deep okay quote I have made an air I see 
the power said, soft and thoughtful. I am new to this. I should not have pushed for information. It's all about giving you what you expect. Even a being thousands of years old can be tricked. I know this from personal experience now. Who are you? Wit whispered. End quote. That's really the kind of major line that's coming from Teravodium. Yeah, it's like certainly a theme that we see throughout this book is like everyone can be tricked. Mm-hmm. Erase the odium can be tricked. Presumably, Teravodium can be tricked. Hoid can be tricked. All, as we've talked about on this podcast a lot, every being that we see, even the ones that we place on the highest pedestal that we think have the most power and the most knowledge, have flaws and faults and failures and vulnerabilities. I think that's really great, too, because it is one of the fractal aspects of Brandon's writing that we've talked about previously, but this concept that characters are all dealing with similar things, but on different scales and at different times or different maturity levels, but the base level kind of challenges that characters face are all very similar. So yes, Hoyd is a cosmically aware, cosmically aware individual with immense power, but his vulnerabilities, his foibles, and his follies are often identical to the slave in the cart who is <laughs> being pushed around to the shattered planes. Yeah, and I think it's just such an interesting challenge to give readers as well. Because I find myself, I don't know if, if you, uh, listener, or you, Tyler, do this also, but like, I really want someone, you know, to hold on to, to as, on. yeah, as the arbiter of all knowledge, like the one person that I can listen to and know that everything they say is true, full stop. And that is never true in any Cosmere book. And no matter how many times I read them, no matter how many new books I read in the Cosmere, I keep hoping that at least someone like Hoyd is is that person. And he's not. It's so funny that you mentioned that because I do feel like it's a almost uh, ingrained aspect of either American society specifically, but maybe just like generally this concept of like a, a teacher, you know, a, ch a young child relying on their parent, that relationship, a student relying on their teacher. You have this kind of built in necessity of someone's got the answers, mom yeah. and dad, or my teacher, my coach, whatever. And, and you have to follow from, that. Just from a reading perspective, most books that you read in a, you know, fiction sphere are first person or third person omniscient. And so everything that you read is, you know, just taken as fact in those situations. And so Brandon is really turning this like thing that we have done when we read since we started reading and turned it on its head. That's a great point because a lot of either distrust or miscommunication between characters 
is so often presented to the readers from one person's perspective. And that's a great kind of reminder that regardless of the perspective that we are given by Brandon, all of the characters are dealing with similar limitations that Hoyd demonstrates here, that everyone can be tricked, everyone can be fooled, and Teravodium in this instance is playing with his new powers Mm -hmm. on a level that we've never seen any of the other shard characters dive deep into and kind of like explore their powers zaze is probably the most comparable but he's almost literally a god level figure in mistborn era 2 and the inklings that he has around the very end of mistborn era 1 it's just like creating the world anew it's not really this like subtle art that Teravodium is going yeah, to Yeah, I mean, I would through. say Sazed is almost the worst example because as we see him in Era 2, he's basically incapable of any type of action. Whereas here with Odium, we see the opposite, whereas he seems to have a great amount of freedom in acting and takes a pretty drastic action in terms of what we've seen from the shards. Yes, and that's just the only other real comparison that we have at this point is like Zay's troubles that we've talked about a lot, this kind of inaction because of the dual nature of his competing shards. And so now we've been given a main character at this point. I mean, I think we can call Teravangian now a main character. We're seeing them explore a shard power, and I think that's going to continue. And he uses his shard power, you know, one of the first things he does is Trick Hoyd, our master character. Yeah, and there are still some parameters on this shard power that we see acknowledged by Teravangian. Quote, let me see. I cannot harm you. But here, you have used this other investiture to store your memories, haven't you? Because you've lived longer than a mortal should, you need to put the excess memories somewhere. I can't see your mind, but I can see these, can't I? For the first time in a long, long while, Wit felt true terror. If Odium destroyed the breaths that held his memories, I don't believe this will cause you actual harm, Odium said. Yes, it seems my predecessor's agreements will allow me to... Wit stopped in the hallways of Elkar's old palace on the Shattered Plains. He searched around, then cocked his head. Had he heard something? End quote. And the scene starts again in that moment. This is very similar to the uh, glitches that we've seen most recently in shows like WandaVision, most famously coming from The Matrix. The idea of a glitch in The Matrix is someone changing something. And that's basically what Hoyd experiences. Yeah, it's just like a... uh, uh, Yep. I think that there's a couple of key things that Teravodium says Mm -hmm. that I want to point out the first is this repeated line about harming people and the predecessor's agreements Mm -hmm. that prevent him from doing so hoyd is also restricted in harming individuals and though we occasionally see him get around it right but like That is the thing to know is that there is a way around it. And you would think that, as you point out really intelligently, I think Wit has this same constriction and he has found a way around it. So he should know that 
something like this as possible. And yet I feel that in this instant, Wit's uh, fatal flaw is his reliance on the fact that like Odium can't harm him. He definitely goes into it with a confidence that is probably undeserved, especially as he later mentions, he hasn't seen Odium in a really long time. Mm -hmm. It is foolish on Wit's part to... This is a great example of hubris yes, in 100%. the modern world. <laughs> he gave himself a big old pat on the back. Great job, Hoyd. You orchestrated this contract. You did it. And then Odium swoops in and is like, JK. It does seem like Hoyd got just a little too cocky. Yeah. And I think that maybe some of his sexcapades with Yasna oh. might be leading to a big head, you know? You just start making love for the first time <laughs> in a while, and all of a sudden, you don't keep your head on straight. I don't know how much actual love making is going on, but he is probably in love. Yeah. They're on their way there. It just happens different for their relationship than some others. For sure. The second thing to pull out of this is this whole concept of memories and breath. Yes. Which we pointed out in our Warbreaker reread as a very, very, very small moment um, that at least I had not previously noticed before that reread. And then this is really the second time that we're ever seeing this concept. And it is fascinating. So we have Odium saying that memories are stored in the excess breaths that Hoyd has. And that while Hoyd's mind is inert, as we previously mentioned, the breaths are still accessible, probably because it's just investiture. And that's more like a shard's playground. So yeah. it's more open to their abilities. But then the concept of Hoyt feeling terror and the acknowledgement that if Odium destroyed the breaths, that all of the memories that had been stored there would also be destroyed as well. So yeah, I mean, we don't know. Like, that's, I think, a big question after this, because as we hear in this passage, it just ends in an ellipsis. We don't actually hear what Wit is afraid of. Will those memories be destroyed? Will Odium be able to see the memories and like live them and know them? Or like what what does that mean? And what are the parameters on that whole situation? I do have some speculation about why it would be so bad because I have two thoughts. Like as I was reading this and seeing where the problems or what was troubling my first thought was huh, this is no big deal say i get really old and i like want to keep some memories around i'm thinking that it's like a harry potter pensive mm -hmm. when you extract the memory that you want drop it into your cauldron and then it just sits there perfect waiting for you to re-explore it mm -hmm. however if instead it is like a ever increasing hard drive where mm -hmm. your brain, your actual like meat body brain is the only thing that can create new memories. And then everything that is new and a new experience for Hoyd, it's just kind of stacking up. And then when that gets full, 
he needs to move it over to an external hard drive that is the breaths. Hmm. If that is the case, then it is the oldest memories that Hoyd has stored in the breaths. Right. So here is like a weird thing that we start to get into in this situation because the way that Odium describes it in that last passage we read makes it sound like exactly what you just said. Because Hoyt has lived so long, you know, he had to store some memories in those breaths. You would think that he would offload, you know, some of the unimportant older memories Mm -hmm. and uh, then just go about his regular life, you know, making new memories in his normal brain. But... The things that come after this don't seem to indicate that. Quote, pretend you didn't see that design, he said, but she wasn't there on his coat. Storming spren. Had she slipped away when he hadn't been looking? He put a hand to his head, feeling an odd disorientation. Something was wrong, but what? End quote. So there he's referencing something that happened very recently, within minutes that design was there, and then she left. So the fact that he doesn't remember that seems really weird to me because that's obviously a short-term memory, mm. not something that I would have expected to have been housed in that breath. But he does remember that he was practicing magic tricks, which was like kind of around the same time as design. So it's a little... It doesn't line up cleanly. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about how exactly this memory thing is working because it doesn't seem to be, like you said, very clean. I'm almost thinking I like your concept of like a hard drive, but like, you know how you have to defrag your hard drive because it stores like different pieces of the same thing in like different places. Mm -hmm. It's not all stored together. Like what if that's what is happening? Like different pieces of the same memory are stored, you know, possibly in different breaths Mm -hmm. or in different places. Some are in his mind and some are in his breaths of the exact same event. So... I have no idea, but I'm just going to run with what you were indicating and say that Brandon just took computers as a pure example of what was going on. So in the computer world, kind of in our own mind too, but I don't want to like pretend that I know neurobiology, but in the computer world, you have RAM, which has a short-term memory ability or something like short-term memory. And then you have your hard drives that can be both internal or external. So if we go to defrag, as you said, or clean up our internal hard drive, there's another thing that can happen at the same time or that does happen at the same time where your RAM is cleared as well. A two-step kind of process. Okay. And so if that is basically why Hoyt is a theory about why Hoyt is short-circuiting on his literal short-term memory Mm -hmm. within minutes, Mm -hmm. but doesn't have, apparently, gaps in his more medium-term memory because that medium-term memory is still in his internal hard drive. And then the old stuff in the breaths Hmm. could still be all the external stuff. Yeah. But it doesn't work 
perfectly and yeah. I'm just throwing it out as a theory. Yeah. It's the best theory that I've been able to like wrap my brain around so far because I do just have so many questions about what exactly is happening and how exactly this works. So listeners, let us know what you think this memory stuff is all about and how exactly it's working. There's another important bit of information that we get, though, Mm -hmm. and that comes here. Quote, he tried to find a tune to whistle, but each one sounded wrong. Something was fiddling with his perfect pitch. Odium's presence had remained behind. Was something wrong? Don't trouble yourself. He thought, this is working. After all, Wit's first face-to-face meeting with Odium in over a thousand years had gone exactly as he had imagined. End quote. The final lines of the book, leaving us with this knowledge that his perfect pitch is thrown off. Yeah, like, I think it's gone. I think that this means that Odium took away enough breaths to remove Wit's perfect pitch. He still, it should be noted, has life sense because the second time Odium appears to him, uh, Wit has the same experience of his breaths tingling to indicate uh, the presence. A hoid tingle, if you will. <laughs> so to go back to Nalthus and just give us a clear reminder of what this means, 50 breaths gets you to the first tightening. Mm-hmm. Which is life sense. Is life sense. Yeah. And 200 breaths gets you to the second, which is perfect pitch. So he has somewhere between 50 and 200 breaths. Well, 199 breaths. There you go. (laughs) And I think that this is important to point out because the other heightenings, you know, the numbers really start to get extreme very quickly. For example, the third heightening, you need 600 breaths and then 1,000 for the fourth and then 2,000. 2,000 does give agelessness, which is a very Hoyd-like characteristic, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that he ever had the third, fourth, or fifth heightening. That just seems like a lot of breaths. It does seem like a lot. I think that Hoyd is ageless from other things. things. I guess we should clarify that the first heightening is aura recognition, not life sense. It does... On the wiki, say that there's an increased life sense. Perfect life sense is the fourth heightening. Yeah, so he definitely well, I think it that. makes sense too because, like, an aura recognition is an ability to sense um, investiture mm-hmm. and what are shards if not investiture. So I think it still makes sense for the story. But he does not have perfect life sense, certainly. And I don't right. think he ever did at any point. Maybe he had perfect color recognition. Yeah. So I kind of see that as like his top out point. But we are talking somewhere in the realm of hundreds to several hundred breaths that Teravodium potentially control-alt-deleted from Hoyd's memory. Yeah, that's my question. Like, do we know if they are destroyed or is Teravangian slash Odium like holding on to them in some way? Oh, did he go in and unplug all the USBs from the external hard drives and, <laughs> and then, then he just, just picked up yeah, the external hard drives? Yeah, take them with and, them? Yeah. Well, I have no idea, but breasts are transferable. And Odium said specifically that he wasn't going to harm Hoyd in any way. So a transfer of breaths is considered 
you know, potentially harmless and yeah. that no one is hurt in the exchange. It's normally supposed to be willing. Hoy didn't seem willing. However, mm. I could see that as the overriding shard power is just yeah. like, I'll make you willing. <laughs> uh, but I think that that's possible that the breaths are now just with Teravodium. Yeah. And then like, what does that mean? No idea whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> to get into this a little bit more, do you want to read the passage that we have from Warbreaker? The first uh, time that we sort of hear about this memory breath connection. And somewhat of the volunteer nature as well, or mm -hmm. the specific things mm -hmm. that are needed. That, I think, would help a lot put in context what we have just previously been talking about. So we'll play some different characters. It's a mildly long quote. Stay with us. It's all good. Quote, Vasher paused on the street, setting the girl down. Child, he said, I'm going to say some words to you. I want you to repeat them. Repeat them and mean them. The girl regarded him absently, nodding slightly. He glanced at Vavena. Back away. She opened her mouth to object, but thought better of it. She stepped back out of earshot. Fortunately, Vasher was near a street lamp, so she could see him well. He spoke to the little girl, and she spoke back to him. And with the extra awareness she had, she thought she saw something. The girl's biochromatic aura, the normal one that all people had, flickered just slightly. It was faint, yet with the first heightening, Vavena could have sworn she saw it. But Denth told me it was all or nothing, she thought. You have to give away all the breath you hold, and you certainly can't give away part of a breath. Denth, it had been proven in other instances, was also a liar. Vasher stood, the girl climbing back into his arms. Vavena walked up and was surprised to hear the girl talking. Where's Daddy? Are we going home? The girl asked. Where have we been? It's late and I shouldn't be out. Who's that woman? She doesn't remember, Vavena realized. Doesn't remember where she's been. Probably doesn't remember anything of the entire experience. End quote. So what we see, what we think we see in this scene is Vasher making the regular breath that all Nalthians have flicker in this little girl and taking something away, taking away her short-term memory, taking away her memory of the trauma that she has just experienced. Yeah. I Like, what is happening there? We still have so many questions and things that we don't know about the magic system on Nalthus. If anyone knows, Vasher would know because he was one of the scholars, but there's so much of that knowledge that has been lost or was never given to the regular population. It does seem that when compared with what happens to Hoyd, there are similarities, but also a key difference, which is that the girl doesn't have extra breaths to spare. Right. Hoyd does, and he definitely loses some knocking right. him down to lose perfect pitch. Yeah. I mean, but that's what I'm saying. This is an example of like Vasher is an expert in this magic. And mm -hmm. so he is able to finesse what Odium is, you know, going after with a hammer, basically. It definitely 
makes us and warbreaker in general makes us aware of you know how many characters say things with authority but don't actually have the knowledge to back that up Denth is a liar and how powerful and subtle the magic system of awakening can be it certainly seems so many more possibilities mm -hmm. that we don't even really scratch the surface of in warbreaker we know that vivenna and Siri, to be fair, are both naturally gifted at, can be naturally gifted at awakening because of their connection to the royal lineage. I'm very interested to see how we have previously talked about the worlds colliding, magic systems colliding. Nalthian awakening seems so fundamental to what we have been learning about Stormlight on Rashar. Yeah. And now it may be fundamental to understanding how Hoyd was tricked or manipulated by Odium in this final epilogue scene. I think that there are a lot of questions and a lot of ways that it could be done, but this is a foundation to build upon, to allow our theories (laughs) and speculation to go crazy, is really important to have. And I love the connection back to Warbreaker. We would love to hear all of your thoughts and ideas about this whole breath situation and what this means for Hoyd going forward and everything about the epilogue. Tell us what you're thinking, how you're feeling. You can find us on Facebook, on Patreon, on Twitter. And until next time... Life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination.